Welcome to Elevate. My name is Ellie Stiles, intuitive channeler, yoga instructor, and holistic wellness enthusiast. I am bringing you conversations to help guide you towards better ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. If you push play today, know that you are in the right place at the right time and there are messages for you. I am so grateful that you're here and I'm so excited for you to listen to this conversation. Let's begin. Welcome back to Elevate with Ellie Styles. Today's episode is truly such a gift. We have Prem on. He's a happiness and wellness coach, holistic health practitioner, chef and owner of chefprem.com and a published singer and songwriter. He shares the key to happiness along with daily practices, the power of meditation and affirmations, living a life beyond our bodies, inner child healing, defining the divine, how we are all interconnected. He shares three top nutrition tips and profound healing messages for those struggling to see the light. This episode is full of inspiration, of knowledge, of love and peace. And I know you're going to feel so grounded after listening to this. So wherever you are, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Elevate Prem. I'm so grateful that you're here and just really excited to hear what you have to share today. Thanks for having me. It's it's an honor. Yeah. So I want to just kick it off with the big question. What is the secret to happiness? Oh, wow. Just right into it. (laughs) You know, um, this, just to get right into it, the secret to happiness is helping others, like just immediately, you know. Um, when I started my spiritual journey 23 years ago, I was in a, a yoga ashram or monastery. I served as a, a chef and often did the music, devotional music for people. And I brought those two skills into community. Once I left the yoga monastery and I noticed really quickly that feeding people, sharing my gifts and talents and singing to them improved their life experience, but it also made me the happiest person in the room. Mm. So even though I was working the hardest, because cooking is hard work and singing takes a lot of energy. I was also the happiest. So yeah, just figuring out a way, you know, asking the question, what are my gifts and talents and interests and how can I improve other people's lives around me with those God-given gifts? So I think that's why we have those gifts is to improve other people's lives. You know, I have a friend, Brandon, um, who's, a business owner and a real estate investor and he's just extremely well organized mm-hmm. and he doesn't think he has a lot of creative talents but his um, knowledge that he put into a book has helped me quite a bit to become more efficient and productive and um, consistent and clear about my goals so even for somebody that doesn't have artistic 
skills if they're just organized you know or something like that like those are also gifts that can help a lot of people mm-hmm. so his cool thing was um it's not related to happiness but before starting the day or, or even at night just writing a list of like things top six things to do for the next day and then writing check boxes next to those items and once you get them done you um, check off the boxes and then you can be consistent and productive and for me I was just like so creative and not really making a whole lot of progress with important you know the other half of life which is not art <laughs> or service so um, the point is everyone has gifts that they can share and yeah I think that's the secret to happiness is helping others with our gifts what would you say to the person that doesn't believe they have gifts and (laughs) how would one go about discovering those because I think there are a lot of people you know such as yourself and myself where we feel really strongly connected to a purpose and really clear on what we do have to give um Mm -hmm. you know was there a point in your life maybe where you you weren't clear on that and kind of how did you navigate I always wanted to be a musician since I was seven years old. So I'm not one of those people that doesn't know what my gifts are, (laughs) but I I know people and I have family members who do feel that way. And um, for those people who don't think they have gifts, I would first, there's there's a few approaches I would take with that. Number one is exploring, you know, like there's so many classes that you can take either at community colleges or um, workshops or online or YouTube courses. For example, like you could even take an iPhone photography class, you know, for a couple of weeks, just as an example. Yeah. And, um, and just keep, you know, try a lot of different things until you find something that you're passionate about, you know, and eventually that thing will stick. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is, if somebody really is unhappy and they don't believe in themselves or that they have gifts, I would also encourage them to explore possible possibilities of how to give their time and energy to charity organizations. And they'll find really quickly that when they're helping others, whether it's like feeding someone in a food line or whatever it is, their attitude's going to change really quick because they're going to first of all see the contrast of what it means to really be you know in a in a compromising situation and then they're going to see how good it feels to be of service and then being of service also gives us something that most people don't understand is so important which is the feeling of significance you know there's maslow's hierarchy of of needs and it starts with um, survival and procreation and so on and so forth. But the fifth or sixth one on there is um, the feeling of significance. It, ma- it really matters that a human feels significant and relevant. And so when you help someone and make a difference in their lives and you contribute to their welfare, their well-being, their survival, you start feeling significant really fast. So that's why I say, you know, helping people is the fastest way to be happy that's beautiful was there a time go ahead hold on one second um the door just opened no great 
Prem is in Peru living his best life. <laughs> uh, yes, I've been in Peru for a month, exploring <laughs> the mountains and the Andes here. It's beautiful. Was there a time in your life where you were unhappy? Um, when I was really unhappy the most was when I was studying abroad in Hong Kong. Um, I was doing a whole um, year studying politics of the Pacific Rim. And I found my, I was in a national park the summer after my junior year working construction and it was beautiful. And then I got on a plane to start my third year, was it fourth year of college? And then I found myself in a very congested, very noisy, very polluted, very smelly city of Hong Kong, not like the touristy part. And um, there's a lot of things that were really difficult about that. Number one, the Chinese people were not fans of Americans. Mm -hmm. So I went from being somewhat, you know, well liked by my peers to all of a sudden being a minority that was discriminated against. Wow. <laughs> I was not prepared for that at all. And they would call me names, you know, like Guaylo, which means white ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they would give me these death stares in class because the teacher would, you know, sometimes ask questions. And as I was taught to do in school, I would raise my hand and answer questions that I knew the answers to, which was really rude apparently in China because you're not supposed to be an individualistic thinker over there. You're supposed to be part of a community mindset. So right. if they were asked a question, even if an individual was asked a question by name, that individual would turn around, confer with the other students. And then once they came up with like, a collective answer he would represent the group and then say we think that the best answer to this question is that you know wow like <laughs> i didn't get the memo so i would just raise my hand and be like well what about this you know man they would just look at me like if looks could kill i'd be dead this white ghost <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um the uh that year was really depressing. And uh, I also got in with the wrong, wrong crowd of uh, triad gang members and wow. you know, going to raves and taking ecstasy and just wasting all my money on alcohol and um, uh, not studying. And eventually I just got really depressed which happens when you live that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, it was funny because I was going to school at a, at a Baptist university. Um, and there were a lot of American Baptist kids in my dorm who I really didn't relate with at all. I mean, I, I was going to uh, a college that wasn't Baptist and my international relations or politics teacher um, selected me and another student to represent our school and, and then travel to Hong Kong. But I, um, I was kind of 
just at such a low point that I got on my hands and knees and prayed. And mm. I don't know if I got on my hands and knees, but I, I prayed to, to Christ, to Jesus Christ. And I said, if you're real, I need you to lift this burden off of my shoulders because I just want to jump out of this window every single time I look at it. Wow. And, um, and he actually came, which <laughs> really blew my mind. And, uh, Can I ask how, how that moment showed up for you? Yeah, um, his, his presence appeared um, and as, um, as light and presence, you know, like just he was there. I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than in less than half a second his loving light was there mm. and um and all of my burdens were lifted immediately <laughs> and for the next two weeks i was high as a kite and um, i was also out of money at that time because i'd spent it all on alcohol okay. and partying and um and i was on day two of like not having any food and um and after our experience together where he just basically comforted me with his light and his love and um, reassurance that everything was going to be okay. And he just literally, like, any kind of heaviness and darkness was gone. It was just gone instantly. Oh. It was really remarkable. And, were you, and connected, then, were you connected to spirituality prior to this or was this brand new for you? Yeah, um, I've been meditating since I was in kindergarten. Wow. And, uh, I remember the teachers would often remark at how I wasn't playing with the other kids in the yard. I would just kind of like sit somewhere in a corner and, and go into ecstasy. <laughs> wow. And uh, they'd be like, what's he doing? Like, why is he doing that? You know? And then the other teacher would be like, I don't know, but he's smiling. He's happy. Maybe we should just leave him alone. And uh, so, yeah, I would, I would go into um, spontaneous bouts of ecstasy growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and intuitively, I would just cross my legs and um, breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth, breathing in love, exhaling darkness just throughout my whole like childhood junior high high school and then eventually i started reading spiritual books and, and learning that what i was doing was called meditation and uh at the time i didn't really believe in god or hell or anything like that and i just didn't resonate with that word because of all the history that that the christian and catholic church have been associated with you know with like the Spanish Inquisitions, the Catholic Inquisitions, um, what do you call it, Holy War, the Crusades, all that stuff, and just punishment. So I didn't resonate with that, but I knew that the word enlightenment was something that I that meant something to me, even though I'd never read about it. Mm -hmm. And ecstasy, all I knew was that truth was we had to learn to merge with love and that 
the amount of love that could be felt didn't have an end and the the depth of love would transform into ecstasy and that there's surely no end to how much ecstasy you could feel and that it would take more than one lifetime to learn to master those states so that's just has been a part of my um my mindset i guess since i was in kindergarten for some reason a lot of like intuitive trust there from the beginning like that foundation yeah eventually i met some psychics that told me i was a, a tibetan monk my last two lives which explains why i would just sit cross-legged and meditate and make sense <laughs> kindergarten. yeah yeah and i like what you said you said breathe in love exhale darkness is that something you still practice on a day-to-day -day basis my techniques of meditation are a lot more complicated nowadays okay. um, but i still use the breath um in the you know meditation approach known as pranayama which is a sanskrit word prana means energy yama means control so controlling the energy in the body using the breath and the attention uh, with devotion and attention of the spiritual I, i'm not really allowed to teach that specific technique because um, my spiritual teacher doesn't want want it to be taught incorrectly to others um, but the principle is is you know a broad topic of pranayama and people usually get pranayama and breath work confused because mm -hmm. breath work is something that you can use to clear out stuck emotions out of your body and stuck trauma that could be there for decades um, but pranayama is a type of of breath technique that's designed to withdraw your energy and attention away from the outside world and away from your five senses and into your spine and up your spine into your spiritual eye into your heart mm -hmm. and allow you to feel higher states of consciousness so if someone is completely new to meditation breath work in general where would you guide them to start um, well, you know, I can only reference my journey, which started um, officially when I read a book called Autobiography of a Yogi, which was a book written by Paramahansa Yogananda. And it's a book written about yoga by a yogi from India, by a yoga master. And after I read that, I signed up for his um, bi-weekly meditation lessons and so i would learn the techniques of meditation that he came to the west to teach and then i actually went to a yoga monastery or ashram at the age of 20 wow. and learned to live a lifestyle of um, practicing the presence of god throughout the day or the divine however you want to say that source and so and then meditation so yeah it was it was a an all-male monastery <laughs> wow and uh yeah i stayed there from 20 to 30. 10 years and, mm -hmm. wow yeah and in, in order to uh 
stay there because my college bills were rolling in and I had to pay those off. I looked for a place to live near the ashram and found a master bedroom in a, in a house overlooking the valley where the ashram was, 40 acres, you know, kind of a self-sustaining community. So I found the place to live, but I didn't have a way to pay for it. I showed one of my friends from the ashram and he said, why don't you apply for the chef position? They're looking for a cook. And uh, I didn't even know how to cook, but I applied for the job anyway. <laughs> and uh, I used my willpower and the scientific healing affirmations book that Yogananda wrote to train my mind and convince my subconscious mind that I knew how to cook. So the, wow. the way of scientific healing affirmations is you have to say the affirmation out loud for you know maybe 10 minutes and then whisper it 10 minutes and then say it mentally for 10 minutes mm. while looking at your third eye and visualizing the outcome. So you're programming not only your conscious mind, but your subconscious mind and also your spiritual mind or your astral brain, you mm -hmm. know. And um, if you can get into a higher state of consciousness into that, um, the astral mind, you can have spontaneous healing because your affirmations can be used for um, you know, learning something, but it can also be used for prosperity, which I've used many times. It could also be used for like healing the body mm -hmm. and it can also be used for psychological healing as well. So I used it to, um, to visualize learning how to be a cook. So I would take a few cookbooks, choose a few recipes, memorize the recipes, visualize success and affirm success while doing it out loud and whisper and then mentally took me about half an hour, 45 minutes just to do the visualization, which I would do after an hour meditation. <laughs> was this daily that you were doing this? Sometimes twice a day. Okay. Yeah, I was totally reprogramming, reprogramming my brain. And this is what uh, Olympic athletes do too, you know, they affirm and visualize success. So it wasn't any different. I would just apply it towards cooking instead of, um, you know, Olympic skating or whatever they do um yeah so that's how i actually got the job and um it was very stressful you know for a 20 year old kid who didn't even know how to make rice to all of a sudden <laughs> be responsible for making breakfast lunch and dinner for 50 guys sometimes with no help very tall order wow. probably the hardest thing i ever did and um in the process i had to kind of kill my victim mindset kill my ego mm. that had identified with um, limitation or or victimhood or weakness so he had to go um, because failure was not an option i was like not in a place where i was ready to join the workforce after college and being in the real world so to speak because mm -hmm. my desire and hunger for um you know, enlightenment or self-realization was so intense that I just, I had to be there. And, um, and that's another, I think, secret <laughs> is you can do anything you want in life, but you have to have a burning desire for it, you know. I love that. So visualization, affirmations, and helping others. 
Is there anything that you practice daily outside of meditation that contributes to overall happiness and contentment? Yeah, um, there there's some very basic fundamentals that even without meditation can make a huge difference, which I think everyone knows about, but not everyone does. And sometimes, if not often people will choose to go see a psychiatrist and take a pill mm -hmm. rather than exploring the fundamentals, you know, like, are, are you exercising regularly? Um, are you sweating? Are you eating healthy food? Um, do you have any habits or addictions that are affecting your body or your mind in a negative way? Is your environment supportive of you know, your creativity and your relationship with yourself. You know, for example, your life partner, people don't realize how important it is that the person you choose to spend your life with is a supportive person. And if they're negative and they're complaining and criticizing and condemning you all the time, that's gonna make it very hard to be happy. Mm -hmm. So I always look at it from a holistic place, um, you know, like, exercise, diet, um, your mental narrative, you know, your inner narrative, your relationship with yourself, like some type of self-love practice is something that is really important. Um, so to answer your question is, you know, exercise and eating right and having a really healthy relationship with myself and also having a vocation that is um, fulfilling to me as well uh, and also just surrounding myself with people that are better at certain things than I am so if I feel like I'm the smartest or most talented or um, most successful person in the room like I'm in the wrong room yeah but yeah fundamentals other than meditation and visualization I, I would say just exercise and um, and healthy eating because it even the chemicals, I mean, you have like preservatives and neurotoxins, pesticides, like if you have those saturating your brain, that's gonna make it hard to, to um, feel happy. But, and then of course, the inner, you know, the, the mental diet, if, mm -hmm. if the mental diet is negative, it doesn't even matter what kind of food you eat. Like, it doesn't matter if you meditate, even if you have a negative mindset, that's, um, got to be looked at as well so that's very poisonous i know food is a huge umbrella but from a chef standpoint and how that's encompassed in overall happiness like what what are three very basic tips that you have for diet because i know there's a million perspectives and resources and ways of looking at food but what are yours right now <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's such a big topic um <laughs> Well, you know, interestingly enough, there is a link between food and mental health and um, omega-3s and healthy fats contributes to brain health, which then contributes to psychological health and happiness. So I think having a healthy source of healthy fats like avocados or salmon or, or sea bass or coconut oil, um, walnuts, things like that, I think is really important. And then um, 
there's other kinds of foods that increase the blood flow to the brain and in increase memory. Mm. And so the more blood flow that contributes to psychological health as well. Um, so rosemary, saffron, and ginseng are all things that really increase the blood flow. And um, so I try to incorporate a lot of healthy fats and rosemary and saffron and ginseng, things like that. Okay, amazing. And, and the third one uh, would be maca, which is an endocrine regulator. Endocrine is uh, like all your, um, the glands that produce hormones and things like that. So whether you're a woman or a man, uh, you know, like one thing that I think is fun to do is take maybe like a tablespoon of maca powder and put it in water or a smoothie and drink that first thing in the morning. And you'll, you'll notice even one or two tablespoons of maca is an instant mood changer. I mean, it's incredible. Wow. It just regulates your entire uh, endocrine system. Your entire hormone system just gets regulated instantly. So that's really fun. So those it's are so funny they say that because I went to our little organic store um, in Florence and I was looking at all the supplements and I couldn't read them in Italian and I should have studied up before I went, but I saw the maca and I was like, I need the maca. I need the maca. Yes. And I've been having mm -hmm. it in my oatmeal and it's, nice. it's so true, like instant change throughout the day. And I, mm -hmm. it's, I'm glad you touched on that. It's also beneficial for men. Cause I always have heard that it's, you know, an aphrodisiac for women and fertility and hormonal balance, but it's good to know that yeah. it operates well for all. Yeah. Yeah. It helps, uh, helps regulate your testosterone levels. Okay. Yeah. Those were great tips. Great tips. Well, it's interesting because I did a podcast a couple months ago on mental health okay. as um, it relates to food and nutrition and supplements. So I just happened to have <laughs> that information in my brain. Yeah, those are wonderful. Um, yeah. Okay, so just really quickly back to when you were depressed and you had that, you know, enlightenment moment. Do you have any words yeah. for anyone who are who's like really deep in it right now in their, in their darkest moment, what would you say to them? Um, one thing I would say is you don't suffer alone. There's no, you know, like there's no need to go through this alone. There are people, friends, family, organizations, groups of people who are interested and committed to helping people in your situation. And um, some of those people have lost family members and friends, and it's really affected their lives in a really hard and um, negative way as well. And if they could have their friends and family members back, they would. And so they're dedicated to making sure that that doesn't happen to other people so that they don't end up losing their friends and family as well. Um, and then from, um you know from a spiritual point of view my belief and education is that every living thing in the material world is an expression of nature and that nature is the divine nature is god nature is what you know some cultures are called the divine mother so everything that you see everyone that you see the leaves the trees the sky the mountains and most importantly especially us every human including yourself is also part of 
the divine mother. And so the, the spiritual path is one of letting go of identification with story of the you know personality and the history of our of our life and our identification with limitations and rather than identifying with personality persona and history and things like that we identify more with divinity and um, expand our identification from just identification with body and mind to identifying with all of nature and all of life as one. And even if you ask a scientist or a physicist, what's the nature of reality? And you say, well, everything that you look at is um, made up of protons and electrons and electromagnetic energy. And um, there's really no separation between this table and the tree or the sky. Like it's all made up of the same stuff, but our brains will interpret light waves into pictures and that of an image is what we call you know reality or the third dimension and in sanskrit the word for that is maya which translates to delusion wow. so um with the understanding that what you perceive with your five senses isn't real there's an invitation to start perceiving what is real and and so what is the divine you know what is how do you define the divine and the basic um you know three descriptions of of the divine is of light and sound and bliss and so a saint is somebody that can see the light of the divine hear the sound of creation also known as the own vibration and feel the ecstasy or the bliss of the divine at will. And that's kind of been the entire, you know, intention of my life unconsciously is since I was a kid and then consciously since the age of 20 is to learn more and more how to see the light of God and hear the, the sound of God, the voice of God as own, and then feel the presence of God as peace, love, joy, bliss, um, and all within the all within the context of unity you know in other words like getting away from the idea that my my being is separate from your being and so it's important to know that separation is one of the main key components that creates misery and christ consciousness or the expansion of consciousness is characterized by being able to take other people's experiences and moods and um, life and situation into compassionate consideration. So your attention isn't only focused on yourself and your unhappiness and your misery and your suffering and um, your defeat, because that's by definition, the Sanskrit definition for ego is your soul identified with your body. And when you're identified with your body, you're identified with your story. And, and as souls, we want to identify with spirit. So the way to do that, you know, is all the things we discussed earlier, but as you learn to meditate and, and kind of expand your awareness beyond the little self and beyond the body, um, 
it starts to liberate you and free you from suffering. So um, I would actually say, learn, learn to meditate, you know, and learn to learn. There's, there's so much that you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And the decisions to maybe try and end it are just based on a very limited amount of information and a limited access to tools and techniques that are actually totally worth living. And um, I would also, you know, explain that there's more that gets affected with the ending of someone's life or depression. It doesn't just end your life. It of course negatively affects, you know, people around you who you may not realize care more about you than you realize. And even if that's not the case, there's, there's literally trillions of little beings um, and cells that are conscious and aware and very complex and intelligent um, within your own one body. So there's like, I think, <clears throat> oh gosh, I forget the number is, but it's like a hundred billion cells or something, like maybe even more of um, these intelligent little beings that live inside of us. So in, in that sense, like we are their gods and they listen to our thoughts. So if we have a thought, they all listen, all hundred billion of them or whatever it is, it's probably a lot more than that. And then they respond accordingly by creating the, the peptides and chemicals and um, uh, hormones that create emotions for us. So there's a lot more control than we realize when we use our minds in, with intention rather than just letting our minds um, use us through habit, you know, which sometimes isn't even our fault. It's just a result of environment or, of you know, bad luck or, you know, just a not supportive um, environment. But that doesn't mean that we can't turn the ship around and use our minds to create more positive chemicals and hormones and life experiences and if you really study cells and neuropeptides and um, all the living organisms that are inside of us you really start to, to see that it's not just us like there's <laughs> this is not a, a a very self it's not a very self-centered thing we are a collective of, of hundreds of billions of little beings that make up our existence and in that in that way the universe is inside of us and we are it's god you know and all of these little beings are listening to us so i would say you know play with the idea of being um, a loving god not only for yourself but for all the little beings that depend on you to to thrive and and be happy wow that was so, so beautifully put. Thank you. I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> it's an important topic. No, I mean that, I think it's an epidemic right now and especially in the younger people, um, mental health, depression, anxiety. And I think so often too, just we're in more of a self-centered society and more so in the Western world, I would say but coming back to helping others as the foundation and 
keeping our minds quiet and remembering that we have so much more power than what our limited beliefs and conditions tell us we do. Yeah, and I want to share one more piece on that because I, I can imagine, you know, hearing this and feeling um, just how bad something may be and, and maybe having a thought like you don't understand like how bad it is or how bad yeah. it's been or how bad I feel. Yeah. And so that really segues into the topic of um, self-parenting or reparenting or inner child healing. And the truth is that most of us didn't grow up with the most loving or compassionate parents. And as sad as that is, it's not the end of the story. You know, there is an opportunity to um, self-soothe by identifying which part of you is hurting you it could be your inner child like it could be a four-year-old or six-year-old or 11-year-old or teenager whatever and then um inviting the higher self or maybe like a healthy masculine or healthy feminine kind of adult um archetype to come and speak to that inner child that's alone and hurting and sad and scared or angry and, and really tell that inner child exactly what it needs to hear. Because the, the truth is no one knows what you need to hear and the way that you need to hear it quite like you do. And so it's one of the most beautiful things of just like, you know, holding yourself and reassuring yourself and encouraging your inner child and telling your inner child what it needs to hear you know like um, i know it's been hard i know it's not fair i know this wasn't right that this happened but we're going to get through this together and i'm here with you i'm not leaving your side i've got you i believe in you we're going to get through this together i love you and then just like you know just i love you i love you i love you and that's when you kind of really lead into the power of affirmations and self-love you know like i've got this necklace where did it go <laughs> in my restroom i must have taken it off but it's it's a 108 beads and sometimes if i feel insecure or sad or angry or hurt i'll just go around that necklace 108 times and just say you know like um I love you, Prem. 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 And I'll just keep going, and it changes everything. It changes my the way I feel, you know, body and mind, my heart, my soul. And sometimes I might feel insecure, so I might say like, "I believe in myself. I 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 believe in myself." Or I might have some maybe you know, because as a chef, I gain 20 pounds every year, and then I have to lose it again, through, like exercise and fasting. So, <clears throat> you know, if I'm at a place where I'm 20 pounds, you know, getting close to 200 pounds, I'll say something like, I accept myself, or I forgive myself, or I accept myself, I accept myself, I accept myself, I accept myself, I accept myself. That feels really good. And it's very simple. You know, my, there, my teacher, who was a saint, um, he would say, God is simple, everything else is complicated. 
So there's there's like six main major sentences that I'll use as daily tools, depending on how I feel that day. And it's either going to be like, I love myself, or I love you, Prem. I accept myself. I believe in myself. I forgive myself. Um, I can do anything. And then um, the the piece about loving the divine. So whatever you want to call the divine. Yeah. Um, it could just be I love you. It could be I love you, God. Um, or you you know like a true. Um, devotional relationship with the infinite becomes a divine romance so you you know you might get to a place where you just start saying like my love my love my love my love my own my own my own my own my own my all my all my all my all my god my god my god my god you just start making love to god you know with the language of your heart and when you have that divine romance within yourself because you know this is where the mother lives as love is in the heart and then the father wisdom lives in the, the third eye is wisdom intuition uh, when you start developing a divine romance with the infinite within yourself we realize that we're not these bodies we're not these minds we're not these personalities we're not these desires we're not these traumas or stories you know we're light and we're bliss and the intention of a human life which is a lot different than a lot of other animals is we have these um we have self-awareness of of our nature of our divine nature and we can start merging with that divinity inside of us and then the self-identity moves away from story and suffering and limitation to well, what are the divine qualities? You know, what are the qualities of divinity? Well, peace, love, joy, um, service, um, the ability to do anything, which is omnipotence, the ability to know everything, which is omniscience, and the ability to be everywhere, which is omnipresence. So expanding the consciousness beyond the body, beyond the even the galaxy you know like really into into the infinite <laughs> um that's a very liberating feeling and there's really no end to it and that's you know that's the secret that, that most saints won't really talk about these things because um there's a risk of um you know bragging or things like that which is for the ego um but once you start understanding your divine qualities, it's so far beyond human nature. And you start to really understand that a human body is a gift, blessed with a lot of uh, divine aspects that make it sacred and therefore should be protected. And so ending a life is so much more of a loss than, you know, just ending it for ending your own suffering there's also all the beings involved within your body and around your body but then there's the loss of opportunity of awakening to your divine potential and to your divine nature and that's a huge loss it's a very sad tragic loss and um <clears throat> i would say you know 
you haven't found the light, keep digging because it's there. Amazing. Well, I could just feel the connection and the flow and, and just the devotion that you have to enlightenment, but also just to source. Like I can just feel how deeply connected you are and, and just thank you for, for your devotion and for keeping light and love at the center and bringing that to everyone that you meet. I know you're big on community and bringing people together. And um, mm -hmm. for anyone listening, I know that, I mean, this is, this is really special um, and just so beautifully said. So thank you so much. My pleasure. It's an honor to, I love talking about that. Something else I'd talk about. <laughs> Where can people find you either for any any services you're offering right now? Um, this is your time. This is uh, your plug. <laughs> good question. Um, you know, for my music is meant to uplift and encourage and inspire. So that's streaming everywhere at Prem Music with a K, M-U-S-I-K, and Prem is P-R-E-M. Um, which means divine masculine love in Sanskrit, actually. So that's the constant reminder. And um, if someone's interested in, you know, event catering and things like that, it's simply chefprem.com. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. So much gratitude. I'm so grateful our paths crossed and just thank you for your time today. I know a lot of people are going to take a lot of gifts from this episode. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Ellie. It was a true pleasure.